you are listening to Motivating from the Six, episode 79. It's time now to take personal responsibility for your life. An interview and conversation with YouTuber, speaker, and life counselor, Kevin Nahai. You're going to love this one. Let's go. Welcome back to Motivating from the Six. This is a podcast that is intended to change your life. It's intended to motivate you. It's intended to inspire you. It's intended to have you stand up in your circumstance no matter what you're going through and demand change for your life. I'm your host, Jeff Martin of JeffADMartin.com. Thank you so much for tuning in today. For all of you who have clicked play, for all of you who have downloaded, for all of you who have subscribed and left a review, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much because I know that your time is extremely valuable. There is so much more that you can be doing, but you chose to take a moment to listen in. So I pray that I am bringing you some type of value to your life. Today is going to be no exception. Actually, I got to tell you, it's going to be a great episode. You really got to tune in, turn this up just a little bit, and listen a little bit more closely. I have YouTuber, speaker, and life counselor Kevin Nahai on the show. Kevin and I have a great discussion about personal responsibility, taking control of your life, even in the most difficult and dismal circumstances. You are always able to grab control of your life, to direct it in the direction that you want it to go into, so you can live the most fulfilling life that you can live while you are here on this earth. No matter what situation you might find yourself in, you can always take personal responsibility. It's your life. You have the ability to dictate which direction it's going to go. So do yourself a favor and start taking a hold of it right now. Listen to this conversation between Kevin and I and listen to how you can take control of your own life. It's time for you and everybody around us to start taking a personal responsibility for our own lives. I'm not going to hold you back any longer. Please welcome another world changer, Mr. Kevin Nahai. Welcome back to Motivating from the Six. I am with a special guest today. Please welcome Mr. Kevin Nahai. Kevin, how you doing, sir? Good morning, Mr. Jeff A.D. Martin in the house. My Older brother, my mentor, my friend. Oh, man. <laughs> I appreciate that so much. How, how's everything going out in L.A.? Uh, well, it seems like um, our communication has brought a little of that Canadian weather here because it's freezing and oh, it's man. rainy and it's cold. I mean, freezing, you know, by L.A. standards is, is pretty, you know, it's pretty pathetic. Uh, <laughs> The other day you were telling me it's minus three or four degrees there, and I cannot even imagine that. But, but yeah, I mean, L.A. is usually sunny and beautiful. Today we have a little bit of rain and cold, but that's all right. 
All right, perfect, perfect. Well, I'd love to have, even what you call cold out there, I'd love to have it here. So let's go forward with this interview. You are a YouTube personality for a YouTube channel called The Other Side. You are a speaker, you are also a coach counselor. Kevin, I'd love to hear your story. Please take me back and the listeners back to how you began your path into becoming who you are today as a YouTube host and a, a speaker and counselor. Oh man, all right. Well, I always sort of begin my, whenever people ask me a general overview of what's my story, you know, I, I like to start by saying that, um, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a, a life coach. I'm not an expert. You know, I'm, I'm a master of nothing and a student of everything. However, as a young person, a young man of 26, I have unfortunately dealt with I think more sort of real life struggles than a lot of people my age. And as a result of that, it's, it's grown me up very fast and it's given me a lot of perspective and I've just had to, I've just had to deal with things a little bit sooner than, you know, maybe other people, you know, my, my colleagues and friends and peers would, would, would have to deal with at this age. Um, I think probably the most significant, uh, challenge in my life was when I was 19, I was diagnosed with a chronic disease uh, called Crohn's disease. And I was, I was diagnosed with a particularly bad case of it. And this is an autoimmune disease of the stomach and it's chronic, meaning it never goes away. Um, I basically have to live my entire life treating these symptoms. And for the first year, um, I was extremely ill. I was near fatally ill. I lived in and out of the hospital for 11 months. You know, I almost died probably on three or four different occasions. Mm. Um, and I experienced a lot of, of course, physically debilitating symptoms, but also mentally and emotionally exhausting. You know, I, it was really traumatic for me. Um, and as a result of this, I fell into a very deep depression. Um, I was suicidal and I, uh, developed a terrible eating disorder. I was, uh, I had binge eating disorder and I also had anorexia and I battled between those two things for quite some time. And basically the last seven years, um, I'm 26 now have kind of been, you know, a roller coaster. And then you sort of weave in within all of that you know, being in relationships and being cheated on and having my heart broken and, you know, I'm doing great for a few months and then I get fired from my job and I'm doing terrible for the next few months. And, you know, I, I think that through all of this, the one saving grace was that I knew that my passion and my purpose was to help people. And I was fascinated by the question of, how can I take everything that I am going through and have gone through and channel that into helping other people? Mm. And for the longest time, I thought to myself that I can't really help other people until I'm a hundred percent. I can't really help other people until I can say that I'm fully happy and that I don't really have any major glaring issues. And what I realized is that, A, I'm doing everybody out there a disservice 
just by thinking that I need to be perfect before I can help anyone else. And, you know, that's kind of a game that I'm playing with my own ego. And B, I think that what I try to do is I try to come from a more vulnerable and authentic place and say, I'm still dealing with a lot of this stuff. And I'm, I'm human just like you. And I've gone through things just like you. And although I can't say that I've conquered all of my struggles, I'm, I've conquered a lot of them. And the other ones that I'm working through right now, I'd like to, I'd like to form a, a team. I'd like to form a bond. And I'd like for us to work through them together. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I arrived at, at doing the work that I'm doing now. But as I say, you know, I, I've still got a long way to go in sorting out my own emotional and psychological issues. And uh, I really just try to take everything I've been through, in my experience, and channel it into optimism and faith and, uh, and grace and support for others. That's amazing. Man, thank you so much for being able to find that strength in everything you just talked about. I've heard someone say once that, even though you feel like you're on this path of trying to learn and grow and things aren't perfect in your life, your 50% can be somebody else's 100%. Mm. So even when you're going along your path and you feel like, man, like, I don't know where I'm going to go with this. I don't know how I'm going to overcome this obstacle. Everything that you've already been through or the fight that you're doing at that moment in time is again, could be somebody else's 100%. It feels like that you're not at your best, but even at your worst, you can help somebody else to become better. So I I love what you said there. I think it's so fabulous that even though you have gone through this and you're still dealing with this, you've learned to use it as a platform. Thank you, man. Yeah, I try to keep in mind, there's an old proverb that I try to keep in mind, which is, you know, a a, a kite takes flight on opposite wind. Or another way to say that is that, you know, an airplane takes flight against the wind, not with it. Mm. So, you know, so that that kite taking off and soaring on opposing wind, a lot of the situations in our lives seem like an opposing wind. And sometimes they seem like a hurricane. Sometimes they seem like a tornado. And I think that if we can become a little bit more comfortable with that discomfort and that fear, and if we can learn, and trust me, I'm still learning this, mm-hmm. but if we, if we can learn to, to see the opposing wind, to see the challenges, to see the struggles as something that we can actually take flight off of, as something mm-hmm. that we can actually use to, to our benefit, then, I mean, that's, that's pretty much the secret, man, because then anytime you're dealing with something that's a real challenge, you know, that is really devastating or heartbreaking or scary you're able to take flight and you're able to soar yeah absolutely and that's something i'm certainly aspiring to do oh man that's amazing i yeah absolutely love what you said there i heard somebody say once that once you've lived your difficult story your story no longer belongs to you it belongs to the world because now you can use it to help to heal other people and that's exactly what you're doing now. And, you know, I, I could say that we definitely have some similarities in terms of the path that we've taken because you just talked about your autoimmune disorder. And I could say for myself, I don't think I've even mentioned it on this podcast yet, but I was diagnosed with a rare um, arthritis called ankylosing spondylitis. 
And so this is something that um, it, it kind of makes my back stiff and something I'm going to have to live with for the rest of my life. It doesn't shorten my life, but it's an obstacle now that I have to deal with. And again, you just talked about living with something that perhaps most people don't have to live with. And I just talked about the arthritis that I have that I have to live with that most people don't have to live with. I want to ask you this. There's people out there who have maybe very similar things that we're talking about here. There's people out there who have been diagnosed with cancer. There's people who have been diagnosed with different illnesses, different diseases. What advice would you give them in terms of just trying to live their best life despite of, of um, having these, these um, obstacles in their lives? Well, I want to ask you the same thing. <laughs> I've, I have a lot to learn from you, but um, there's a video on my YouTube channel where I actually address that very question. And I talk a lot about my illness and I talk a lot about how to live in spite of it and how to thrive in spite of it. Um, but I, there, there are a few things that have really helped me. Um, the first thing, even though it might sound simplistic or trite, it really, really works is practicing gratitude every single day. So every day that I wake up and I'm not having a terrible flare up in my stomach or I don't have to be in the hospital or I can do simple things like walk up and down the stairs, go to my car, go to the gym, whatever it may be. I take a moment and I thank my higher power. You know, that can be the universe. It can be God. It can be whatever you believe in that is, is guiding you. It can be a guardian angel. You know, it can even be yourself. You know, you can thank your body. You can thank your, your limbs, your bones, your muscles. Just taking a moment to say, wow, today I can do normal things. Today I'm okay is so powerful. Mm -hmm. And on the days when I'm not doing so hot, you know, for that person who's been diagnosed with cancer and is in chemotherapy and they're playing, they're, they're feeling absolutely awful, you know, on those days when things are really not going in your favor, I think that you can still take a moment and thank the universe or God or, you know, however you see it for whatever is going well in your life. We always have blessings. Yeah. You know, even the person, even the lowest of the low, you know, out of 8 billion people, the person who is doing absolutely the worst of the worst on earth has something to be grateful for. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't think we make enough of a habit of practicing that gratitude and reminding ourselves what we appreciate because gratitude is not about getting the things you want. It's about wanting the things that you already have. Mm, so, like that. so that's huge for me. Um, the second thing that's huge for me and people are kind of they're you know, they don't always understand at first when I explain this, but the, the second thing is that I really try not to focus on my illness. I almost, I almost pretend that it's, it doesn't exist. And I don't mean denounce it. I don't mean say, I don't mean don't go to the doctor. I don't mean don't take your medications. I don't mean, don't take it seriously. What I mean is I like to look at my illness as like a paper cut. I, I tr for the longest time, I looked at it as this giant battle wound. I looked at it as this thing that has me bleeding out. I looked at it as this life or death thing, you know, and my all of my thoughts from morning to evening were consumed by my own mortality 
And is this going to kill me? Am I going to make it through this? Every hour of the day, I'm sick. How do I get through this hour of the day? And that's just no way to live. The Mm -hmm. way that I look at it now is I do what I need to do. I take my medications. I go to the doctor. You know, I pay attention when it's necessary. But the other times, I focus on everything else. I focus on everything that's going well in my life. I focus on my other limbs and organs and intellectual capacity that is functioning. I just don't pay attention to it, you know? Always in the back of my mind, of course, I know that there are symptoms that I have to attend to, as you do as well. I mean, you get up from the chair and your back spasms. You can't just ignore that. Mm -hmm. But in that moment, you have a choice, Jeff. You can either let that dictate the entire trajectory of your life, the decisions that you are going to make, how you're going to feel about yourself, whether or not you're going to be strong and capable or confident, that's up to you. You can look at that and say, this completely ruined my life. I got to deal with this every single day. What am I going to do? Or you can say, okay, I feel that pain. I see that it's there, but I'm okay. And I'm not going to let this defeat me. I'm not going to let it dictate the way that I carry out the rest of my day or the rest of my life. So I think that the amount of weight that we give to these kinds of things, these illnesses, is is in our control, you know? And I don't mean disingenuous. I don't mean to be disingenuous. If somebody's dying from cancer, I'm not trying to simplify to, 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 to simplify it. I'm not trying to to belittle it. You know, I know that that's a, a huge, huge thing and it's, it's terrifying and I have compassion for that. But if that person's spirit is to live, you know, if they're, if they are to feel that they are still alive and that there's still a little bit of joy that they can find in life, then it has a lot to do with the gratitude that they practice. And it has a lot to do with how much weight they give to it. Does that make sense? Absolutely, it does. And, you know, we're not defined by the things that happened in our life. Like, that's not who we are per se. So, you know, oftentimes when you're introduced by someone, they may say, you know, this is Kevin and he is a, a YouTube host. This is Kevin and he is, you know, the son of, of whoever. Like, there's labels that we often put. But, you know, we don't walk around and say, this is Kevin and, you know, Kevin has ulcerative, ulcerative colitis. Yeah. I say that yeah. right? Ulcerative colitis. Right. <laughs> but by, I can't but, but, yours but, either. Lindosis, uh, <laughs> Right. These, these big uh, medical names that we got to understand. But my point being is that that's not who you are. I'm not going to walk around and introduce you that way. Right. So as you just talked about, we shouldn't have that defining our lives. Yes, if you are someone who unfortunately has cancer or unfortunately has any type of other illness or disease, that is something that you will have to live with, but that's not a definition of who you are. And so exactly what you talked about, I, I love that analogy. It's like a paper cut, like it's, it's there, but let's keep moving. Because yeah. you know something I always love to talk about as well is that we have already defined the odds. If you look back to our uh, inception, um, you know, they say that there's 250 million other competitors that we beat out, right? So, you know, we're talking about sperm here, right? We, we beat out the odds of that one sperm meeting up with that one egg and connecting and creating who you are. 
Mm. And so because we can already defy the odds of that, like we have to be thankful in everything that we have. So if you are walking down your path and something happens to you, again, an illness or disease or something of that sort, you still have a life to live. There are hundreds, if not thousands of people who right now lied up in hospitals um, all around the world who would switch places with you in an instant. Yeah. In an instant. Yeah. And I think having that perspective and understanding how lucky we still are, no matter, no matter what the ailment is, is huge. And, you know, my, my, one time I was, I was, um, I was having lunch with my brother and he was asking me, he was like, you know, Kev, you never, you never complain. And, and, and you're always, you're always so positive. And, you know, even though you have to deal with this and it's, it's been so traumatizing and so debilitating and, you know, how are you always so positive about it? And how is it that I never hear you complain? And I told him two things. I told him, first of all, the reason that I don't complain, you know, and, and the reason that I don't make a huge stink about this is that Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, they're not, it's not my purpose. Right. You know, yeah. I'm not like, that's not the reason that I was put on this earth right. to, to have and deal with this disease. Yes. You know what I'm saying? The reason I was put on this earth is to help people believe in themselves and to help them get through their own things. So this is just one facet of my life that I have to deal with, but I'm not going to let it be the be all and end all of why I'm here. And the other thing that I told him about positivity is we think that that positivity is this like happy go lucky all the time. Everything's flowers and rainbows, you know, that this mindset that like everything's perfect all the time. And that's really not what it's about. Positivity is not about deluding yourself into believing that bad things don't exist right. or that there aren't, there aren't real life situations that we have to deal with. What positivity is to me is acknowledging those things, like acknowledging the fact that you and I, for example, have a chronic illness we have to deal with, but choosing to relegate that to your background. Right. And choosing to put optimism and belief in a better future in your personal foreground. Right. So the way to be positive is not to ignore all of the stuff that you'd rather not deal with or to say it doesn't exist and everything is peachy all the time. The way to be positive is to acknowledge those things, but to say, I'm not going to let that creep into the front of my mind. In the front of my mind, I always have where I'm going and what I want. Right. Not what I'm dealing with right now. Absolutely. The mind is super, super powerful. And you always hear about these studies where doctors uh, get a number of patients who have a certain illness or disease, and they give them out medication. And some of the medication is placebo, some of the medication is real. And when they go out and come back and they get the test results, they're finding that people who were taking the placebo medication, basically medication that was blank, it, there was nothing in it, but the people believed there was something in it, these people were finding that, that they had the same uh, better level of results as the people who were taking the real medication. So it shows you how powerful the mind is when you believe that you're getting better, even if you're not taking medication for it, you can. And so again, going back to what you're talking about, not having your illness in the forefront, but having it in the back of your mind. Yeah, you know, it's there, you know, but also in the back of my mind is memories of my high school, it's memories of that first girlfriend, it's just there, right? 
but it doesn't have to be who you are as you talked about it doesn't have to define who you are as a human being how do you deal with it i mean when were you diagnosed with this and and you know and and what has it meant to you to your psychological state and emotionally and all of that well for for me it's it's been interesting because it was something as i um as i grew up i started to feel my back I wouldn't say even as I grew up, I'd say sometime after, um, towards the uh, mid to late 20s, I started to feel that my back started to stiffen up a bit. I'd see chiropractors. Mid to late 1920s, you that old? <laughs> late 20s, I'd say 27, 28. <laughs> but yeah, I'd feel my back stiffen up and I'd, so I'd, I'd go and see chiropractors, I'd go and see massage therapists and everybody's saying, yeah, you know, you just gotta keep stretching, but no one could really tell me what was going on. And coincidentally enough, last October 2017, I had a speaking engagement. I was speaking at um, an event talking about uh, loving yourself and confidence. And at the end of the event, I started to feel a little weak, a little um, lightheaded. So I went to the local store just to grab something to eat real quick so I can go back to the event. And when I was lined up in the store, I ended up passing out. And so here I was by myself, passed out. I went to the hospital. And, um, you know, I was actually in the hospital for four days and it turned out was just turned out that I was just uh, dehydrated, which is great. You know, something I could deal with. But while I was there, I was like, yeah, my back's hurt. And they're like, really, what's going on with your back? And the more I spoke about it, they started to run some tests. And then they realized um, at that point that my back wasn't just sore. You know, after all these years, I just kept, kept hearing that your back is sore, your back, you got back pains. It was more than that they were actually able to diagnose me with ankylosing spondylitis. And, and they, so, kept you, they kept you there for four days after you passed out? Yes, for dehydration. So it took that time to rehydrate my body. I guess I was real dehydrated. Man. But again, it was a blessing in disguise because if that did not happen, I would never hear about the, the arthritis that I have now. It would just continue on as, Jeff, you have a sore back, and that's it. And so I'm definitely thankful for the way it all came out, but now I'm able to learn from it. So when they actually told me, Jeff, you've been diagnosed with this, I was super excited. And I was Mm -hmm. excited because now again, like I said, it wasn't just a sore back. It wasn't now, Jeff, your back is acting up. It was actually something I can look at and that, okay, now I can say how I could go ahead and, uh, you know, do some preventative stretches and exercises and things to help as, you know, I get older. And mm. so for me, it's been a definitely a learning uh, situation because now I'm learning about something that I didn't know I had, even though I had it this whole time. But now I can be a spokesperson for it. Now I can speak to other people about it. And again, as you just talked about, help them in their situation and not just with that specifically, but really anything. And, you know, I think it's so important, again, as you spoke about that, um, we use it to, to help other people. We, help, we use it to help push people forward and it doesn't have to define us. The number of people that reached out to me, and I don't, I don't even have a very big following, but the number of people that reached out to me uh, specifically who have the same illness that I do and who said that, you know, I never conceived of my illness this way and I was never able to deal with it the way that you are and, you know, this helped me and all of that kind of stuff. You know, it at least makes you feel like that you can be a spokesperson for it, that you can be a champion for somebody else's cause, you know? And uh, I really didn't think of it that way. I kind of just thought of it for the longest time as like, I'm the only person who has to deal with this, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So 
I, I'm so sorry that you're dealing with that, but it really goes to show the power of the mind and how positive and inspiring you are that, you know, even when you're in the hospital for four days and you've just passed out in dehydration and everything, you're able to look at that and be grateful for it. Absolutely, Kev. Living your best life, as, I, as, the, as the kids say. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think they mean like partying and doing drugs and stuff like that. Yeah. I think living your best life for us old people is uh, a different, <laughs> has a different definition. I hear you. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, in the end, you just you really do have to live your best life, the, you know, the, the best way you're able to make it, because we only have one crack at this bad boy. We really do. And so I while know. you're here, you got to make the best of each and every moment of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 try because it's it's easier said than done, man. You know, it's it's not easy to do that always. Yeah, very true. But that takes me to one of your videos that I love. You know, I, I did watch a number of your videos on YouTube, but one of them that, I, that really spoke to me was talking about personal responsibility, holding yourself accountable. And I think this is a really good uh, segue into this because, a, again, we talked about people who are going through situations that they don't know how to get out of it. They don't know how they got into it. And now here they are and they don't know uh, what their next steps are. And you talk about personal responsibility, holding yourself accountable. What does that mean exactly? Um, it's Sometimes it's a difficult concept to explain because I don't want people to conflate personal responsibility with blame. Okay, so here's what I mean. To me, the concept of, of personal responsibility, also known as extreme ownership, means that for everything that has ever happened to you in your life, positive or negative, right? After the age of like 12 or 13 or 14, because before that, your parents make all your decisions for you when you're a kid, you know? But as soon as you're old enough, like usually around like sixth, seventh, eighth grade to make your own decisions, it means that everything that has ever happened to you in your life, you are responsible for. And you cannot put the, you, you cannot point the finger or say that it was the responsibility of anybody else. Okay. And this is not to say that if bad things have happened to you in your life, you're at fault for them. But let me use my illness as an example. I was diagnosed with this disease, right? Did I create this disease? You know, did I ask God to diagnose me with this disease? No, of course not. Is it my fault that I got this disease? No, of course not. Do I deserve to live with this disease? Well, I hope not. <laughs> I hope I have good karma. But, but for all intents and purposes, no, I don't, I don't deserve it. I didn't ask for it. It's not my fault. But it's damn well my responsibility to deal with this disease, right? And it's nobody else's. It's not the fault of my parents. It's not the fault of God or the weather or the president or the economy. And I'm the only person who can decide what I do in response to this adversity, mm -hmm. right? If, if, if your boyfriend or girlfriend cheats on you, is it your fault? Did you deserve it, right? Should you blame yourself for it? No, of course not. But do you hold yourself accountable for the aftermath, right? Now you're in this situation. What are you going to do about it? And I find that when we're in that situation, when something has happened, our default is to make an excuse. Our default is to point the finger at everybody else. 
our default is to say it's their fault that I'm suffering. And the point is, it's not whose fault. It, it doesn't matter whose fault it is. Right. The point is that you're suffering, right? Mm -hmm. Now, what are you going to do about that? Mm -hmm. And if you've just been cheated on or dumped or heartbroken or diagnosed with a disorder or fired from your job or your parents were mean to you or whatever it is, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. Truly, I, I am. But you are going to prolong your misery by making excuses. You are going to prolong your misery until and unless you say, okay, this has happened. This is the situation that I'm in. And I have to hold myself and only myself responsible for how it plays out. You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. That's right. And that, that is all about the responsibility that you take, you know? And this also extends to taking personal responsibility when it doesn't feel comfortable. So for example, I, uh, I applied to give a TED talk and I got all the way to the final round and man, these people treat it like it's like becoming the president or something <laughs> like they put you through like 10 interviews and the application process is ridiculous. And you know, it's really intense. And I got it, I made it to the very final round and, and after the very final round, they were very enthusiastic and everything. And then they cut me. They said that I didn't get it. And I was devastated. I had put so much work into this process. I was so certain that I was gonna be able to do this. Now, what do I do in that situation? My first instinct, Jeff, was to say, those people are stupid. They don't know me, you know, they should have given me the opportunity like they're amateurs they just don't understand and look maybe all of that is true you know who knows but instead what i did is i said to myself you know what no there was something during that process that maybe i could have done better that maybe i could have done differently and regardless of why it happened it is now my responsibility to take myself back to the drawing board do whatever I have to do, improve whatever I have to improve, it's on me. I can't sit around and say that it's everyone else's fault that I didn't get the TED Talk, you know? Mm -hmm. And if I want to get the TED Talk, I can't go back and change that. But if I want to improve my situation going forward, I have to take responsibility. Absolutely. Well, I can say that you got a lot further than I did when I applied to become a TED speaker as well, so... <laughs> Well, you know, but that's the thing, man, you, we don't have control over other people's decisions. Exactly. And as a result of that, for some reason, our first instinct is to, to blame everyone else and to point the finger. And I was that way for most of my life. But now the way and all I can do is take responsibility for my own decisions right absolutely but, but don't get me wrong man it's really hard like especially like you're married right yes okay so you've got this partnership and you know at the same time of being on the same team as your partner you don't have any control over her decisions mm -hmm. you know and and so and like 
I really wanted to give this TED talk and I put my best foot forward, but I don't have control over their decisions. You know, right. so it's, it's, it's tough. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's funny because just this week I put out a, a social media post on uh, Instagram actually that talks about when you hear the word no, uh, sometimes it means not yet. Sometimes it means that you're presenting uh, it for the wrong audience. And it's funny you talk about this because you are going to hear that no. You know, I've heard that no, you heard it. We're going to hear it probably a thousand times within the next uh, two, three years. But all it takes is that one yes. And sometimes you really have to go forward and say, okay, this uh, set of people or this audience is saying no, but let me start creating my own thing. And so, for example, now you have your YouTube page, the other side, and you are creating something. So, yes, you didn't get an opportunity to speak at uh, TEDx yet. Perhaps it's going to come. And I know with you and the way you're, you're, you're changing this world, it's going to happen. But in the meantime, you just can, it, that's not going to stop you from speaking. So you're creating your own platform. And maybe one day they're going to pay attention and be like, we got to have this Kevin guy on, the, on our stage because he is doing it already on his own without us. So I think it's so important that when we hear that no, we don't give up. We got to continue to push forward. We got to learn from it and see how we're able to improve ourselves. It gives you an opportunity to number one, use it as fuel, right? Use it to kind of you know push you forward. Okay, well those people, you know, they're, they're saying no, but I'm gonna go out there and make things happen. But at the same time, again, it helps you to create your own platform as well. So once you publish your children's book and it gets bought by Hallmark and you're a multimillionaire, <laughs> then then Ted is gonna call you. <laughs> well. That's a part of the like, plan. You're going to be like, these fools, I cannot believe this. That, that's a part of the plan. That's a part of the plan. We'll see how that goes, though. <laughs> I, I have faith in you, man. I, I appreciate that very much. You talk about a quote in one of your videos that I love by Stephen Covey. You are not the product of your circumstances. You, let me say that again. You are not the product of your circumstances. You are the product of your decisions. Yeah. Explain that quote to me. Um, it, it's, I think that quote sums up personal responsibility in two sentences the best way anybody ever has. What it means is that whatever your circumstance is, as I said, chronic illness, breakup, you get fired, your parents abused you, even the worst, worst, worst things like you were in a gang, you went to jail, like you know, you were sexually molested, you were raped, like whatever it is, th that's a circumstance. Mm -hmm. it, it might be the worst circumstance in the world, right? But you are not the product of it. You are not defined by it. That circumstance did not create you, okay? What creates you is your decisions. What, what creates you is what led you up unto that point and the choices that you are going to make during and after that point that is what defines you right so the guy who ended up in jail for example he really has to take a, a good cold hard look at all of the decisions that he made up until the point that he landed himself in jail and he can blame it on the cops and he can blame it on society and all that stuff and let's say he was wrongfully accused let's say he ended up in jail and and he didn't deserve it right let's say it was it was wrong right that's a circumstance and it's not his fault in that case that he ended up in jail. But what is he going to do about it? What right. are the decisions he is going to make 
to reverse that? What are the choices that he is going to enact to make sure that the rest of his life is better or to make sure that he can make the best of this possible situation? When we think that we are created and defined by our circumstances, then we have no control over our lives whatsoever. When we think that we are created and defined by the decisions that we make, then we have not 100% control because there are other people in our lives, but we have certainly a hell of a lot more control. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. You know, as you're speaking, it reminds me of a funny story I once heard. Where they, it, it talked about a young girl having a baby. And so she gives birth to this baby and she's walking down the street and someone says, oh, you have a beautiful, you, you have a new baby. And the person looks at the baby and the person's like, yo, your baby's ugly. And yeah. so she keeps moving and someone else is like, oh, I love to see your baby. And the person looks into the carriage and says, whoa, your baby is ugly. So by the time this young woman gets home, she's crying and her dad's like, what's wrong? And she's like, everyone's saying my baby's ugly. And the dad's like, your baby is ugly, but the baby's oh. here. What are we going to do about it? Right? What are you going to do about it? Put a bow on the baby, put some lipstick, well, maybe not lipstick on the baby, you know, put the baby in some nice clothes, but the baby is here. So what are you going to do about it? Right? Again, that's a, you know, maybe a cruel or comical story. But again, the situation is a situation. What are you going to do about it? How are you going to live your life? Are you going to allow it to hamper everything you're doing? Or you're going to actually live through it and pursue everything you're trying to pursue? So yeah, man. And, and what you're talking about really is, is a two part process. The first part is acceptance. Yes. The second part is decision making. Yes. And I'm a master at making choices. I'm a master at laying out my options, choosing the right one for me and going for it gung ho. But let me tell you what I'm terrible at. Accepting that the baby is ugly. <laughs> you know, what I, what I really struggle with, and I gotta be honest like with you and with my listeners and with everyone about this, what I really struggle with is accepting that I got dumped or I got fired or I have to deal with this or I have to deal with that or, you know, whatever the real life situations are, it really takes me a long time to process and digest and be able to say, this is the situation. I have no control over it, right? I have to accept it. I can't fight it. Mm -hmm. And the way for me to take back control is to make good decisions is to take responsibility is to accept that this is what I'm dealing with in this moment. Mm -hmm. But it's really, it's really hard for me. And I think it's really hard for a lot of people, you know, so much of the foundation of ancient teachings is that the, the root of our misery is non-acceptance and that the antidote to that misery is just the ability to accept, not to fight what life is giving us, you know? So, that's something that I'm, that I'm really working on. It's like that, that moment when you realize that in, with your story, the baby is ugly and you have to accept it. And what are you going to do about it? For me, the, what are you going to do about it? Part is easy. Mm. Um, the part that takes a long time is, is accepting. Got you. Got you. And you know what? You're absolutely right. There's a lot of us that deal with that. And, you know, in the end, we're human beings. And like you talked about, we want to feel accepted by society, by our friends, by our loved ones. No one is an island. 
And so we want to we want to feel that love. I really believe to the core of who we are as human beings, we need to feel love. I think that's one of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? If, I, if I'm not mistaken, right? Love is one of the things that we really need. And so I definitely agree with what you're saying. And I think what's important and what you're already doing is that you're persevering anyway. So even though it's going to take you some time, as you talked about sometimes to find that acceptance, you persevere. And that's what we're talking about here. We're all going to have struggles. We're all going to have issues and obstacles that we face. But are you persevering? Are you pushing through it? Because a lot of people aren't. A lot of people are stuck there and stuck there for a number of years. But so long as you have the ability and the thought process to push through it, this is tough to deal with, but I'm pushing through it. So I might take a baby step. I may take you know, a big step tomorrow and a baby step the next day, but at least I'm pushing forward. And that's what's most important. When, when you talk about somebody who's stuck where they are and they're not able to persevere and they're stagnant and they, they, you know, they're lacking the motivation or they're not able to accept the situation or make better choices or whatever, how do you get the person who is stuck in a rut and maybe has been there for years out of that? Is it about their level of self-love? Is it about helping them realize what they really are passionate about? Is it about instilling in them some kind of motivation that they don't have? Like, what is, what is your approach? Someone comes to you and says, I've been stuck in the same place being miserable for five years. You know, I think it's a combination of those things. I think it is. Uh, it does start with self-love and loving themselves enough because I think if you are able to learn to love yourself enough, then you'll realize that you're missing out on life. And there's so much that you're missing out on because you're stuck in that situation. I think another piece of it as well is to involve themselves with um, other people, humanity. And I, I think giving back is such a beautiful thing because as much as you're giving to someone who's in need, whether it be going to a homeless shelter, whether it be donating money, if you have it, donating your time to children who could use the mentorship, even though you're giving, it seems like that you're, um, you know, that they're benefiting because they're getting it from you. I really believe that we benefit more. And I know there's a chemical uh, thing in our body that when you give, it really enhances it. And I, I don't remember what that is now, but um, you gain so much when you're giving. And I think that when you're stuck in a situation, I think it's important that you involve yourself in giving back because you realize at a very short moment that there's people out there who have it worse. There's people out there who, you know, whatever your situation is, is that you're stuck in, there's people out there who would trade places with you in a heartbeat. So for example, if you have broken up, if you've been in a relationship, you were madly in love with somebody and you broke it up with them and you don't know how to, how to persevere, again, going and giving back to, again, children who could use a mentorship. It has nothing to do with the love. It has nothing to do with falling in love. But again, it, it just, it, it helps you to find another level from the, the most basic human aspect of love. Again, there's people who are missing missing things that you can potentially give. And it kind of opens up a new aspect of your life to show you that it's not all about that one person you were in love with. Like there's so much more to life than just that one person, than just about falling in love. And so I think it's a combination of all those things to really help somebody to step through the difficulties that they're having. Would you agree with that? Yeah, that's really amazing. I mean, the thing is, and it's amazing to hear your perspective because when I'm dealing with people like I described, I'm, I'm always all about them, their motivation, their self-love, you know, what's going on with them, what their, what their history is. 
but it sounds like to, it sounds to me that what you're saying is that you got to take them out of them and yes. you got to make them about other people. Yes. And I think that that's something that maybe I really need to start incorporating in, into, into my talks and, and my, you know, my practices is helping people get outside of themselves and going to give back and going to help others. Because you're absolutely right. Contributing to society and making a difference in other people's lives, even in the smallest ways, it makes us feel better. Absolutely. And, um, you know, we are going to get ready to close this podcast episode, but I just got to say this, Kev. So, uh, you know, this is an audio podcast and no one's going to see this, but on my wrist, I always have uh, an elastic band. And the reason why I have that is going back a couple of years, I was doing a lot of work with a certain youth program. And so uh, at the end of the program, they always have a yearly gala where they try to donate, get money donated to help the program go further. And so I went to the gala, put on my you know great suit and tie and all that stuff, and I showed up. And they gave me, when I walked in the door and they took my name and told me where I'd be sitting, they gave me an elastic band. They said, can you just put this on your, your wrist? And I'm like, why, what's that about? And they're like, oh, we'll tell you later. And so there's certain people that got in the last event in the room and certain people didn't. And at the end of the night, they said, if everybody, whoever has an elastic band, if you can stand up. And so I stood up and they said, you know, all of you in this room who has an elastic band, you have given back to our children to the nth degree. You have donated to our program. You have done work with our program. And honestly, I started to tear up because I recognized how valuable I was to these kids. And, and mm. so they ended up giving out um, like a, a, an award um, type of thing to everybody who had an elastic band on. Now, it was just a simple elastic band and those things break. And so I tried to replace it. And so eventually I got one of these stronger, live strong type um, elastic bands, but I wear it every day because it's a reminder to me that there's work that needs to be done and there's children, adults, whoever, people in this world who can benefit from it. So on those days when I don't want to put out a social media video, on those days where I kind of get into my own head and my ego takes over and I'm thinking, I don't have enough followers, I don't have enough listeners, I look at the elastic band, it reminds me that it's not about that. It's about the few people you can help. And as you go forward, if you're able to get more listeners, to get more followers, and you can help more people, it's great. But if not, there's enough people who are listening to you right now who benefit from it. And so for me, it's a reminder. It reminds me that it's not just about me. It's about helping people and pushing people to find their greater purpose. Man, I love that. That I'm going to take that message with me into the rest of the day and the rest of my life. And, you know, I, I, you, you have taught me a ton during this podcast. So thank you. I appreciate that, Kev. I think this was more of a conversation than an interview. <laughs> yeah, because we've got, we've got, a lot to learn from each other and share our experiences and absolutely and just just the start of the relationship where can everybody find you so i just talked about your youtube page the other side so i want everybody to tune into that and hear the great work that kevin is doing but where else can they find you and what else are you up to thank you so much um so i live in los angeles i'm doing speaking engagements in la um so if anybody is here and wants to come see what i'm up to they can always send me a message on Instagram. Um, my Instagram is my name, Kevin Nahai. That's N-A-H-A-I. Um, my YouTube channel is called The Other Side, but you could also just type in my name, you know, Kevin Nahai into YouTube. Um, I 
uh, if you go to my Instagram page, Instagram now has a feature where you can DM me, but you can also text or email me. Like you go onto my profile and there's a, there's a phone button and there's an email button. So my Instagram is the best way to contact me. Um, I am building my website, but I'm terrible at web design. So uh, that, that's a work in progress. Got you. Perfect. And one of the things I love is that at the end of some of your videos, you say, listen, if you need to be, if you need someone to speak to you, you know, I don't want you to feel like you're alone, reach out to me. And that's something that I've done pretty much at every talk that I've had, every speech, every uh, keynote that I've done, because I don't want people to feel alone. And so I make myself available as well. So I love that you do that because I find that there's a lot of people not doing that. And, you know, I, again, I just appreciate the fact that you're making yourself available and open to people who can use the extra help. Yeah, of course, of course. You know, and, and I, I wanna wake up to a flood of messages of people who just need someone to listen to them or just need them to give a little bit of, you know, practical advice, you know? So I am always inviting and welcoming people to tell me what they're going through. And, and I may not have dealt with the same things, but I always say that I will listen to you with a loving and compassionate and non-judgmental ear and together we'll develop a solution. Yes, absolutely. So that's my aim. I love it. I love it. Again, Kev, thank you so much for what you're doing. The last thing I'm going to ask from you, actually, the last two things. There's two things uh, I'm going to ask. Number one, I'm going to ask you my Oprah question. I got this question okay. from Oprah, and I want to ask you this question. What do you know for sure, Kevin? What is it that you know for sure? I know two things for sure. One is that the reason that I was put on this earth is to be there for other people, to help them discover their purpose, to help them believe in themselves, to make them feel less alone. I know with every fiber in my being that throughout everything I've ever done in my life, that was why I won the lottery of birth and was put here. The second thing that I know for sure is that human beings, and you kind of touched on this earlier, are meant to live in love and that the one thing that is more powerful than anything else any amount of money any job any relationship is connecting with each other in a loving and compassionate way and the person who says oh you know i don't want to be in a relationship or i don't need friends or i have everything i need you know the person who's a recluse the person who keeps completely to themselves that is the most lost person and that's not a judgment of them. You know, a lot of people end up like that. But I know for sure that we are meant to live in love. We're meant to be in partnerships. We're meant to be in teams. We're meant to take care of each other. And that when you come from the heart, when you come from a place of love and compassion, and you reach out to somebody and you connect with somebody else, there is nothing on earth that's more powerful. I love it. I love it. That's fabulous. Fabulous. The last thing I'm going to ask from you, Kev, and I think you maybe just did it there, but I'm going to ask for you to do it. I'm going to give you about a minute. You are standing in front of an audience right now, someone who's never heard of Kevin, someone who might be suffering from something, someone who might be going through a difficult situation, and they don't understand the power of personal responsibility. I'm going to give you about a minute, Kev, to speak to that person right now 
and help them to understand what their steps are. Way to put me on the spot, Jeff. <laughs> the first thing that you have to understand is what Stephen Covey said. You are not the product of your circumstances. You are the product of your choices. So whatever it is that you have been through, no matter how terrible or how dark or how scary or how traumatic, that was then. And your decision now is what you are going to do with that, is how you are going to handle it. Personal responsibility is about changing your life for the better. It's about starting with the belief that you're not in control of anybody else's decisions, but you are in control of your decisions. And that if you want to improve the course of your life, if you want to achieve inner peace, if you want to feel happier, if you want to feel like you're more in control, which is really what we're seeking at the end of the day, you have to look at the life, at the, at the path that your life has taken. You have to take responsibility for the decisions you have made, good and bad. And you have to realize that it is on you, it is on no one else to dictate how your life is going to play out from this moment forward. You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. And the only way to do that is to hold yourself and only yourself 100% accountable. Love it. Love it. Love it, Kev. All right, good people. I will see you at the top of the next episode. Kev, thanks so much, man. Thank you, Jeff. I really appreciate you having me.